1: Pretty much made it my home, my life, my passion. I have other passions, unfortunately, for my sins. I'm an Arsenal supporter and a Sharks supporter, so we're going to do pretty much everything on the show as it pertains to media, marketing, and money, but we don't take jokes about Arsenal or the Sharks.
0: I'm Doug Mateus, uh, the doc on the show. Uh, And again, for those of you who don't know me, I've uh, spent 30 years in in, uh, various companies in South Africa uh, running uh, different marketing functions, and the last job I had, I was privileged enough to work with a team that took uh, the brand to the fastest growing brand in South Africa in 2018 with a 47% year on year growth. So that was a, a great achievement uh, for the team, and, and, and I'm really proud of that. Uh, from a personal point of view, I do a little bit of cycling uh, and also snow skiing, so we quite enjoy that. But
1: again, uh, today's discussion is around all things marketing and media. Yep, that's right, Doc. All things- How's it going? Welcome again. Another week of the Doc and the Guru. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well, and you know, I think like all of us, um, trucking along day by day and trying to treat each day as a new adventure and a new opportunity to try and pick up some skills. I think we're all learning technical skills, and uh, but there's a lot happening behind the scenes, you know. And I think if you sort of get in and start doing your homework, you realise there's way more going on behind the scenes than, I, than I'd realise. This is by no means a dark zone stuff's happening you've got to just get on top of it Mm.
0: and i think a lot of it is an attitude and i guess as people you know gordon i can't speak for you but certainly myself the ups and downs you know you have days that you that you're more positive and others that you frustrated and you want to get back to you know the things that, that, that you knew and you want to do so yeah you know i guess as you say we've got to try and make the best and hopefully at the end of it all whenever that is we'll come out better for it
1: yeah, and the things we want to do, I mean, we're going to talk about today because you're going to introduce our guest in a moment. I mean, and sport uh, activities central to all of that. So I think as soon as we get some kind of lifting of that restriction mm-hmm. um, and a chance to get out there and, and engage in our sports, whether it's tennis or cricket or golf, whatever the case might be, the, the better for all of us because it's the mental issue mm. for me as as being neglected in all of this. It's all very well controlling me physiologically, but mm. mentally I need some kind of release as well. No doubt eh? and as you
0: say in you know, a sport is, is far more than just throwing a javelin or chasing a ball or going 70 laps around the track. It's it's all of that stuff. And and our guest today, very interestingly we'll chat about some of that stuff. Debbie, welcome Debbie Braun, CEO and, and founder of uh, URUS Debbie, you and I know each other for a long time, and you're going to chat about two things that are very passionate and close to your heart, and one is lifestyle branding, and we'll get into that in a second, and the second one is the role of women, or perhaps the lack of women, in top sports administrative jobs in South African sports. So, again, from our side, thanks for taking the time, and welcome to the
2: show. Hi, Doug. Hi, Gordon. Um, Well, thank you for having me. Um, I've certainly Yes, we're going to touch on two, three um, key points today, and uh, I feel passionate about both of those points, so looking forward to chatting. Well, getting
0: straight into it, uh, Debbie, Um, lifestyle branding, uh, you know, it's a term that I I don't know if a lot of people are necessarily familiar with it, so for our listeners out there who perhaps are not that afraid with it, please, can you explain what is lifestyle branding and why do you feel it should be part of mainstream media and, and marketing?
2: Um, Doug, lifestyle branding, in basic terms, is taking uh, what we know of an existing brand and being able to grow that brand. Um, and by growing it, is really, for example, taking a product. Um, I.e., um, let's let's focus on rugby, since we're discussing sport, um, a franchise, and w- in the past where they were positioned solely as, say a Sharks brand or Bulls brand or Western Province brand, Stormers, um, it's now been identified that by trying to take that brand and grow it and, and allowing um, that brand to penetrate right across the market from kids um, to teenagers to women to men, the fan base grows. Taking the brand even further, involving them in cycling, um, getting um, Sharks um, players involved with um golf days and charity days, taking it into lifestyle activities. And by doing that and introducing an actual brand and taking them across board and positioning them in what we do in basic life generally is adding monetary value to the actual brand and adding more worth to it and growing it at the same time. Um, I believe it should be in the mainstream marketing structure and then the process and the budget of those um, marketing structures will encompass a new age approach and thinking and enhance um, our understanding and drive of lifestyle brand positioning.
0: So, yeah, I guess, so, you know, if I look back at, at, at sort of marketing terminology that I would use, it's, it's almost a leverage and extension of that brand. So it's taking the brand into off-field. It's not just the 80 minutes or the 90 minutes in the case of a football game, but you're saying it's becoming part of, part of the mainstream sort of uh, a, a landscape. And, I mean, South Africans are quite brand conscious by and large. Um, so why do you think that this hasn't happened yet?
2: Well, um, South Africa basically has been um, very brand conscious. Um, they, they, For example, um, they, they've embraced, um, SA has embraced and bought into international brands. And I believe that they are conscious of those labels and brands internationally. However, when it comes to our own brands, we need to apply the same enthusiasm and consciousness. Um, Saying this, our brands need to be humble enough and look at the processes that have made the international lifestyle brands successful. They need to embrace those and modify them to suit our requirements and needs. By taking this approach and having a look at the success of the international brands, we can accelerate our branding opportunities and then make great inroads in a very short period of time. But we have to, I believe, we have to um, so I've really serious about our own local brands, not just the international ones.
1: Yeah, just to pick up on that, I mean, it's it's been interesting to watch the information flow on, on, during the COVID lockdown and looking at brands and branded trends. And the issue of brands with purpose seems to have emerged as a very, very strong trend. And for me, if I look at the box uh, and I look at their behaviour during COVID and what's been done with the, you know the the World Cup team. It's fantastic to see how the box have become a brand with purpose in terms of the value they're unlocking in the community, the engagement. It's it's been extraordinary. And I and I just I know you have kind of a, a dual lens here. You have the branded lens plus your 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 interest in sports and sports administration. It seems to me, if I look at other brands, global brands like Man United, if they're not actually playing in a stadium, they don't have a purpose. They they look abysmal. They 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 have no glamour. They have no flair. They have they, nobody's got an interest in them. So, it's intriguing to see will we go back to sporting brands the way we did unless they have a purpose and maybe. Maybe I need to be in Manchester or I need to be in Liverpool. Maybe that's what (laughs) I'm missing, you know. I'm not there. For me, it's it's something I watch on TV. But, you know, local brands. And 1995, you know, uh, the play in the last couple of days about, you know, the celebration of 1995 World Cup win again has made me realize that the box are a brand with purpose. And I'm going to segue this you know somewhere in this conversation to is that part of the problem with the Pro tiers as a brand they don't seem to have a purpose anymore the way that the boxers uh, have uh, for us
2: um Gordon look you you've certainly hit the nail right on the head um yes the box I think with a lot of key players um with it, Captain Garcia Kulisi I mean he's been phenomenal um in, in this COVID there's been a lot of activity of what, what they've been doing and um, his drive and just the whole spirit. Um, I think we often say the yes and that certainly has come out quite strongly. Um, if we have a look at, um, and again, looking at the international brands, even um, Bayern Munich, um, Liverpool, all those, you, you don't hear much now. You certainly don't. Um, however, um, I think where, where what my point of reference was, was more on taking the brand and getting it to a point where um, it's a serious money spinner. And I think just launching into that aspect, but not playing down the the importance of purpose. um, Once your brand is able to stand out, like let me use Liverpool for an example. um, They, whether they won or whether they lost, they always had a fan base that stood by them through thick or thin. Um, Unfortunately, my sort of perception was with the the box, When they weren't playing well everybody was so very critical uh when they won well i I don't need to add anything to that but we i think we need to build the brand that we very much are behind our teams um any south african sporting team rugby soccer whatever it may be um you know whether they are playing badly whether they win we need to be behind them we need to give that value to it and give them a sense of purpose they're giving us a sense of purpose but i think the the fans and the people and the sponsors and all of that you need to actually also add purpose and give back to those teams and make them want to to be there and add value. So that's just my take on on purpose.
1: Well, that's a brilliant observation, and I think yeah, that's the rights and responsibilities. If you want to be a fan, you've got some responsibilities as, as well. I, I really love that perspective.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, and I guess nobody. Can tell you exactly um, how the world's going to look after after this, uh, you know, the crisis that we're currently in, and, and maybe you know, maybe it will be. Gordon, as you say, the people are yearning so much, not just for the game itself but to be proximate to the heroes that big stadium experience, you know uh, it's just that whole aura of that we're missing, you know, we, you can get close to it with approximation models and player e-games and all the rest of it, and there's definitely a place for that but certainly, you know, Debbie, uh, there's a place for the, the real thing, you know, standing in the queue, getting in the excitement in kids' eyes, so, and who knows, you know, maybe people will rediscover their love and their purpose, both Ways, you know, both. I say both ways, not
1: just the fan and the player, but also the administrators, and we'll get onto that in a in a short while. Yeah, I mean, everybody rem- remembers. I can certainly remember the first game of rugby I ever went to to watch with my father at Kings Park. Uh, I can't remember the last game I watched rugby I watched on TV. So I mean, your yeah, eventing is is crucial, and so ultimately, you know, the, the survival of sporting brands has got to be built around. Uh, the desire to, for me to be in there and, and, and join in the, the passion of, of the event itself, not just watch the team.
0: I mean, Tim, No, absolutely. Yeah, sorry to interrupt mm-hmm. you. I mean, you're, j- just to move into the next part of it. So, I mean, your other big passion is is women in sports, sports administration in particular, not just uh, as a player. But, um, yeah, let's just talk a little bit about that. I mean, it's a, it's a funny time for the world at the moment. There's been very little sport. Some leagues have opened up and, and are opening up across Europe and some other parts. Uh, from our point of view, and we're going to talk rugby specifically, um, it's, it's a challenge, you know? It's a challenge for us. Now, you recently put your money where your mouth is, and you've applied for the now vacant CEO role for Western Province Rugby. Let's talk about that. Why did you do that, given the fact that there are very few women in top sporting administrative roles across the big sporting codes in South Africa? And what do you think you can bring to that role to make a difference?
2: Well, Doug, they always say, you know, if you you embark on a journey of passion um, and you're able to call that your job, you never really work a day in your life so um, rugby very much has always been part of my growing up and I'm I'm extremely passionate about it and I think you know that you've witnessed yeah. a cold face of my excitement at, at rugby games and it goes beyond that um, I think having just analysed and had a look and we will not as I uh, won't talk about players per se but let's stick to the administration um, looking around and I tried to identify and see where where were there women in those structures, and it's um, certainly not coming from uh, it's an unfair and disadvantage. It's literally just sitting back and taking um, a look, a hard look, and saying, "Where are women out there in rugby, in in sport in general, in senior roles here in South Africa, predominantly?" And um, it was I came up with a big fat zero, and um, I thought, you know what, when when the CEO position became available. Chatting to a lot of people, also chatting to you, Doug. Um, and everyone said, well, why don't you consider put your CV forward? And I thought my first reaction was, oh, you know, no. <laughs> I'm female, would I be able to hold hold that down? I thought, damn it, yes. Quali- I'm qualified. I'm passionate about the job. Um, I probably could uh, bring a lot to the table um, with others that are in the organization and around. And knowing people that I do, um, I think rugby has to be done through people. And done through fans and done through, I think with COVID, where I'm going, um, is that with COVID, it's actually put a bit of a different uh, slant on things. It's actually made us regroup, regroup with people. And I think having the passion and having the knowledge that I've got, um, certainly to take on a challenge like CEO of Western Province Rugby, I would want to bring that passion into of encompassing people and bringing them together and actually taking fans and bring and involve them in the administration communication within within the brand. And um, I believe I can do that. I believe I've got the skills, I've got the negotiation skills to do it, um, along with a lot of supported people. So hence, I do believe that women should be making an inroad um, in the administration roles of sporting in general in South Africa. And hopefully I can be one of the first to do that. Uh, I think at my age, I've earned my stripes. And I'm determined and I I certainly hope that it does work out.
0: You're listening to The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by
1: Infinity Media. Wonderful that, 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 you know, a woman seek high office in sport and, and there should be no barriers. I'm sure they are. We'll talk about Raylene Castle and the, and the hoops <laughs> that she had to jump through in Australian rugby. But I'm just confused about how anybody could be passionate about Western Province rugby. <laughs> but that's it's
2: <that's> another story
1: <laughs> entirely. My fa- it. <laughs> it. I have to stop you there. Um,
2: I'm saying I'm, I'm I am very passionate about rugby. Um, Western Province happens to be the area where I live in, and um, I believe you've got to start somewhere. Um, obviously, we won't go into talking about individual teams and and who supports who. We'll just stick to <laughs> um, Western Province needs a CEO.
1: <laughs> but let, let's go back to Raylene Castle. I mean, you know, looking at the, at, at the the situation in Australian rugby, yes, they've run into to tough times. But it, it seems to me that the whole COVID thing and the and the slowdown in Australian rugby very very convenient to blame blame Raylene Castle for this thing and then I mean she resigned I know that but to my mind she was just well and truly shocked that she was being excluded from board meetings uh, What what's your view on that that's high profile sabotage of, of women's initiative in sport to, to my naive way of looking at it well
2: God, I don't think it's naive um, I think um, the truth is that there, um, Raylene Castle had, had numerous takes on her stepping down and um, and. There's been a number of articles in the media, a lot of speculation. Uh, my view, however, um, I've really taken a lot of it out of the media coverage in Australia. And one of the interesting angles of one of these points that um, have been highlighted is that she should have been more open with regards to the financial results of the 2019 audited figures. Um, she should have been more open to the members and the general public. Uh, they said... Or, they reckon that this lack of communication bred distrust in her ability. And with that, I think when people um, lose that trust, um, you do get sidelined, you do get pushed aside, and people doubt, doubt your capabilities. And the big question for me is, is it that she was sidelined because she was a woman, or was it the actual um, issue on hand? If a male had acted in the same manner, would he not also have been um, asked to leave or would he not have resigned whichever whichever it is um, I I don't know if it only comes down to her being a woman a lot of people feel strongly that it is um, but I hope that in in the area that we find ourselves in that it's more to do with the actual skill base and an actual situation rather than being a female is, is it
1: maybe that she crossed codes I mean she headed up uh Netball in New Zealand, you know, I mean, does each sporting code have a, an, an, an innate kind of ethos and a, and, a, and a chias was the word you used earlier. And, and if you don't yeah. get that, you can't just run it from an academic business perspective. You've got to understand the geist of the players, of the, uh, of the fans, of, of the community that it serves. Should she yeah, have look, stuck I to think, netball?
2: Uh, sorry?
1: Should she have stuck to netball?
2: No, look. I think, Gordon. You know, that's the. There's the age-old thing. Um, if you have a look at people, I mean, you have a look. How many great coaches? I mean, they um, they came out of different sectors. They may have been um, teachers, um, and then they took on teaching rugby. Uh, should they have stuck to teaching? If they go on to be a CEO of of Western Province, should they have rather remain being? If if something goes horribly wrong, I mean, we can you know go backwards and forwards um, on the subject matter. I think. She was appointed, and she was obviously appointed by a board. Um, and they must have seen all, well, must have addressed the criteria of the job and felt that she was the one to do it. Down the line, you know, one can't when things go wrong try and point out what should have or could have. Um, they they appointed her, and they also have to be accountable. They should be held responsible, and people should ask the question: if you know why did it end this way? Um, and I I believe there should be more open communication on it because it's just so much speculation that she was a woman um, that she stepped down because of X, Y, and Z. Um, I th- I, it's a very gray area. Um, it's a very public um, position. And therefore, I believe it should be very clear communication to fans and investors um, within within the rugby union there.
0: Yeah, I think, I, Debbie, I agree. And I think, you know, even if you look in the corporate space, you know, often you'd find a, a high-profile CEO stepping down, and I'm using it in inverted commas, and there's a lot of pressure that goes on behind it. But you, you've got to look at, the recruitment process that went in, you know, today with, you know, everything being open and you can do, and and I've been party to it. And I've worked in companies where, you know, a few years ago, very prominently got one of the biggest payouts. uh, And this is all in the public domain in South Africa. And he lost, he lost 11 months in the job. So now you've got to ask the question, well, who employed him? You know, he didn't employ himself. So I think as you're saying, hopefully it's not a, it's not a, a male, female thing, but more competency and the responsibility across the board. Debbie, you talk about communications and, and the one union, and again, you said you didn't want to get into one union against the other. It's really just from, from my perspective. I'm looking at, at uh, Jake, and, and you and I are both know Jake White. He seems to be doing some stuff at, at the Bulls, and I think, the one thing Jake does know is how to put a winning team together. You know, he's been securing players. He's lost one or two in the merry-go-round, securing some coaching staff. But at least they and, – and also, most importantly, is they've just recently now appointed their CEO because they were also – but they were only without a CEO literally for a week or two. Um Again, difficult for you, but, I mean, can province take a lesson out of that in terms of, of communicating and, and, and at least telling people where they are with their um, this year, specifically in such a big year for Stormers Western Province Rugby, you know, with the big move uh, off the park, of course, to the Cape Town Stadium?
2: No, absolutely, Doug. Look, um, yes, it appears that the Blue Bulls um, have been very prominent in their media communication. Um, I do believe that this is a vital point Um, that Western Province Rugby should pick up on this and embrace that they need to openly communicate what their strategy is at present without an actual CEO in place. Um, Communication is a vital necessity for any brand. And by communicating, they'll be seen as inclusive and open. Um, I think it's just been um, too quiet. And very clearly, I think they should take the lead from the Blue Bulls. Jake's certainly come on board The move with the new appointment of the the CEO there certainly happened within days. And, um, you know, they seem to be having a stable front. And that's what's been projected in the media. And at the moment, I think Western province rugby is sitting with everybody wondering what's going to happen. So, yeah, um, cut and dry. um, Western province should take note and hopefully follow in suit of what the Blue Bulls have done.
1: Yeah, and hopefully you know, part of the plan going forward uh, with fresh eyes and fresh perspectives is is the growth of the game amongst female uh, participants. I mean, I've really enjoyed watching the uh, the Proteas ladies cricket. I thought it was brilliant. It's a different, you know, it's not like it's not a compromise on the the male game. It was a different game. It was more finessed. It it had a different kind of flavor to it. It's like watching ladies and men's tennis. Uh, you can't compare them. Each one has a different skill set. So I, do you see an opportunity going forward to to really build women's sport in this country? I mean, it's bizarre for me to sit and look at the recent decision on U.S. women's football where they've just lost a court case on, on the issue of equal pay relative to the men's football side. I'm just checking my calendar to see what year I'm living in. I mean, Megan Lupina is is... is, is an art- unbelievable you know, football star. She outshines any other single American male footballer that I can think of. And yet she's being penalized. So what's the game plan there? I mean, is are you gonna build it in, into the thinking?
2: Look, absolutely. I think um the age old thing is one has to have a strategy. Um and from there, base thing, you know, base your your roadmap forward and one of those things is to naturally bring more women into not only administration roles but into various sectors, i.e., reps, um, players, etc., etc. Um, quite, you are quite right. I mean, if you look at the soccer players um, internationally and um, the U.S., and um, they phenomenal. Um, just across, I've watched um, soccer the last number of years from German teams to English teams, and they absolutely superb. Um, they, I sometimes say, some of their games actually look stronger than the male counterparts, and. Um, I shouldn't be saying that, should I? But um, realistically, they, they they are there. But I think on that, just to touch on that um, pay dispute that's been going backwards and forwards. Unfortunately, again, it's, it's speculation, but um, I think where, where it was overturned is mainly because of what agreements were signed in the pay sectors, the females and the men. Um, the, the US women's soccer team, Basically, the female players agreement allows the women to be uh, compensated largely through salary guarantees with additional opportunities for performance and base bonuses. However, on the men's team, players do not earn salaries, but only bonuses. And therefore, the men are only paid for when they play. So their negotiations are entirely different when it comes to the actual salary agreements that they sign. And I think that's one of the areas that one's got to say, if you have a national team or you have players in general, they have to be, their terms have to be on the same basis. It can't be different. And I think that's where the whole dialogue comes in now on the US team, the, or the soccer teams.
1: So just one sort of wrap up question as we as we drift uh, towards the back end here. Um, looking at young women, I mean, it, it saddens me that people drop out of sports for which they have a passion because they're, they're not going to be world beaters. What would you say to young women who are not going to be number one golfers in the world, number one tennis players in the world, that you can still exercise your passion by engaging in the sport in other areas, like being a sports official, like being an administrator? What, what kind of encouragement would you give to, to young women in particular, and just young athletes generally, about staying in the game and exercising your passion, even though you aren't number one in the world?
2: It's really being true to themselves, Um, you know, not allowing um, previously disadvantaged situations to set them back. I think, especially in South Africa, well, maybe throughout the world, there's always been um, people that are disadvantaged. And we've got to get to a stage where we almost put that behind us and say, you know what, let's just go out there and be the best version of ourselves. And I don't mean that in a corny way. It's don't give up. Um, It's the same with what I'm doing. At my age, having gone down a very um, different road, um, I'm embracing a possible challenge where a lot of people are saying, you're mad, why do you want to do that? I believe I can make a difference. And I think to any young person, if they honestly believe that they can make a difference, it doesn't matter which division, from an active athlete to an administrator, to a coach, to whatever they choose, they should really just... Embrace it and run with it and, and we will ultimately have leaders and we'll see women flourishing um, and that, that's my solid take um, on women in the future.
0: Yeah. Great. Uh, thanks, Debbie, and absolutely. And I think people have got to look at the opportunities uh, that are available and sometimes make the opportunities. Now, a lot of the times it's about it's about finding uh, an opportunity and building on it or creating something. Debbie, as we get to the close, I mean, f- from my side, I'm going to I'm gonna close off now and, and leave Gordon to close the show down. But, I mean, just how do people get hold of you if they want to get hold of you, say there's a young lady or a young guy for that matter, uh, wanting to find out about uh, lifestyle branding on the one side, and and sports admin. Do you have an email? Are you on social media?
2: Yes, um, I am on email. Um, We have a website presence, URS has got. Um, So people can certainly get that. Shall I give you the uh, website address?
0: Yeah, if you can, yeah.
2: It's www.urus.co.za And email address is debibrawl at urus.co.za
0: Okay, great. Thanks. And again, you know, as Gordon and I always say to our listeners every week, this is about, you know, engaging people, getting everyone involved in the conversation. Um, and please, if you want to reach out to Debbie, she's giving you her details, do that. And also, you know, um, if you have other guests you'd like on the show, if you have ideas, things you like, things you don't like about us, please just get a hold of us. You know, write to us, uh, reach out on social platforms. We're very keen to to accommodate it and, and try and make the show even better. So from my side, Debbie, I'm going to say thank you very much, and I'm going to leave Gordon to close out.
1: Yeah, Debbie, thanks once again Thank for the for the time. That that's really insightful and and intriguing and it's really encouraging to see these developments and as Doc said to our listeners out there, please uh subscribe, listen in, submit any questions and you know, if you if you didn't get Debbie's details, that's fine. Contact us, we'll put you in touch, but let's keep the dialogue going because I think if there's one thing we love in this country, it's the feeling of being a, a winner and I would love to see that that winning feeling extends beyond the one side that seems to encourage us in that regard. So Debbie, thanks for the time to all of you out there.
2: Thank we'll you. see you soon. Ciao. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
0: And so there was another episode of The Doc and the Guru. Please don't uh, forget to get a hold of us on Facebook. Like us, follow us, uh, subscribe to the podcast. And then for my side, you can get a hold of me on LinkedIn, Dr. Doug Mataz. I'm uh, very active and very keen to hear about your views uh, and certainly will respond and hopefully we can bring that into the
1: show. Thanks, Doc. And it's uh, Gordon Miller, the guru, signing off. Thank you for being with us and listening into this podcast today. You can pick up the discussion with me on my Twitter handle, at Media. And I'd love to engage with you on any of the issues that we've taken on in the show. And take us at our word, this is really going to be an open forum. There are no subjects that are taboo. And we'd love to have some of the younger, more under-listened, if that's the correct phrase, uh, voices to join us uh, in this discussion. Thanks for your time. The Dark and the Guru, proudly
0: brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media
2: industry.